Hello and welcome to the 31st episode of the Blue Line Reconstruction, a podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the NHL, and occasionally statistics. My name's Josh Jamison, and I'm joined here in studio by my good friend Luke Lundy. Luke, it has been a while. How are you? Oh, I'm great, Josh. I am great. I've watched plenty of winning Jackets games, even though uh, they've struggled to score. They're winning and they're making the season enjoyable. Hockey's fun, man. I'm having a good time so far. Yeah, we are truly in unprecedented territory. I I think I've said that several times over the length of this podcast, but something about us starting this podcast and the Blue Jackets having success, I mean, I'm not going to say that, you know, correlation equals causation, but come on, people. It's pretty (laughs) clear, you know, what the difference is. Just to get the business out of the way, we're hosted on SoundCloud and are available on iTunes or wherever you normally find your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at BLRPod. Follow us there. We haven't been doing the best job of tweeting during games or even in between games, Blame but it's been a busy time. Wi-Fi. I would tweet more Blame during Nation- the game if I had Wi-Fi access at Nationwide. <laughs> and I would tweet tweet more during the games if I thought I had anything uh, useful to say. But recently, I've mostly just been trying to watch the games and, and get a handle on what's going on. We will try to be better with that in the future. You can email us at blrpodcast at gmail.com, and we will respond to anything that's sent to us. So feel free to tweet at us or email us. So now that we got the business out of the way, we should talk about just what's going on right now. The Blue Jackets are currently through 30% of the season with 25 games played. They're fifth in the league in points. They're 16, 8, and 1. They're projected to score or to have 98.2 points by the end of the season by Hockey Viz, which would put us at first in the division. We have an 84% chance to make the playoffs and a 12% chance to get the President's Trophy. And to, you know, the icing on the cake, I guess, or, or maybe maybe not icing on the cake, maybe pointing to uh, some, some regression back to the mean, we're 9-0-1 in overtime games. So this is unprecedented success early on in the season for the Columbus Blue Jackets. How do you feel about it, Luke? I mean, it's kind of just indicative of how much the culture has completely shifted when you think about some of the team culture under Todd Richards and the way that now the ex- expectations are so high that you know you could just tell how, how badly they wanted to win the back-to-back most recently on Tuesday after you know coming back from Montreal. On Monday night, they they clearly wanted the game to go their way, and they just absolutely took over at times. And it's super impressive. It's just a total different set of expectations for both the fans and the, you know, just the whole team, I guess. They each feel that kind of commitment to winning. Yeah, and it's interesting that you should mention the offense. I, I, I kind of want to start with that because if you – at the beginning of the season, if you looked at uh, both the expected goals for per 60 and the Corsi for per 60 and the Corsi against per 60 and the expected goals against, the, the Blue Jackets ranked very high as a defensive team. They were not allowing many shots or, or, or very many good shots either. And now 
it's interesting that you should say that you think the offense is struggling because it's completely the opposite. On five on five, the Blue Jackets lead the NHL and expected goals four per 60. And they are second in the league in the percentage. Um, so dividing those two numbers, goals for and goals against expected. And so I wonder if we could try to dis- dis- dissect for, uh, for a moment where this difference is coming from. How could it be possible that the Blue Jackets are doing pretty well um, with this these stat lines with producing shots? But it feels a time that it's lagging. What do you think that's coming from? I mean, I, I think they've had to be quite a bit more dependent on Bobrovsky than they needed to be this year. But the offensive production is still there. You can see the shot totals going up. You can see the possession. I think it's the sheer depth and the kind of growth in terms of talent on the blue line, especially with how quickly we're breaking out of the zone. I mean, Murray's hurt now, but just overall... The depth has been unreal, and the defense has been unreal. It's been super, well, super but, impressive. But, but, what, but back to my question. Um, sure. You, you said you feel like the offense has been struggling. Yeah. I mean, And that the defense is really good, but the metrics actually say kind of the opposite. And so I'm trying to – maybe we can try to, like, think through why might – you know, maybe, maybe our eyes are lying, or maybe it's the flip side. Maybe the stats are lying. I kind of have my own idea, but I was just wondering if you had any. I can go first if you want. Sure, go ahead. I think a big part of it is we take a lot of shots from the outside. And so the way expected goals works is it assigns a probability of a certain type of shot going in. So if you have a really high volume of low-quality shots, you could still have a pretty good expected goals for per 60. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. So... That's part of it. I think there's a lot of because you have you have guys like Warinsky and Seth Jones who really like to rip it. And I would say Nudavara is also in that category as well. So I think that's part of it. I I still think the offense is not as bad as we perceive it to be. Um, because even if you if if you want to talk like a little bit more literally than expected goals. The Blue Jackets are eighth and goals four per 60. So, and this is all five on five. And so I have two more reasons why I think that there's a perception that the offense is, is, is not as good. The second reason, the first reason was the types of shots that we're taking. The second reason is I think we don't have any like dominant offensive stars, right? There's, there's no one guy that you can say, this guy can go and get us a bucket right now. I mean, Panarin's a superstar, but he hasn't been bearing the way that we expected him to be. Right, and I and I think those that type of perception opposed to reality uh, example is, like that feeds our perception of the offense, right? So I, I and so I think that's part of it, right? Panarin is I don't even think he's underperforming. We'll talk about this later, but we we don't have the production is coming from a very balanced group, right? Like we run, we really roll, especially when we're healthy, four lines, and they're all scoring. I mean, and so I think that makes us. I mean, you can consider that the Jackets have, you know, good expected goals for and they're generating chances. And I think that that's great. But it's still just I mean, it feels like they're struggling because they're, you know, 19th in the league in total goals for. So it's just it still feels like they're, you know, not scoring as much as we'd like them to. But they are. I definitely agree that they're generating tons of opportunities and chances each night. It's, and it's kind of 
BS how low some of their shooting percentages are for certain individual players that would be scoring a lot of goals, especially Peter Yeah. Ren. Well, again, like, uh, I don't, you know, saying they're 19th in, in goals scored, I mean, that's not adjusted for games played. So that's why I use goals for, for per 60, which is, um, you know, a pace stat. So they're eighth in that. So I think they're actually pretty good in terms of what's literally happened. I think the third reason why the perception differs from reality is that the power play is so, 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 so bad that if our power play was even a below average power play, we would probably have four more wins right now. Like, like that's how bad it's been. Yeah. And so I I agree. I completely understand. Even on a night, on a night where, you know, your, your five on five offense has been great you don't have anything that can give you that separation. And so it, it, it feels like we're winning a ton of one goal games. We're winning a ton of one goal games when we're giving up several minutes of futility every night. So I actually think the five on five offense might be the best it's ever been in franchise history. At the same time, the blue jackets are, you know, uh, currently chasing history in terms of having the worst power play. So, I don't. If if you have any more thoughts on the five on five offense, uh, feel free to add them there. If not, we can transition to this. Yeah, like, power play. I don't have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't have any doubt that the jackets are great on five on five. I guess what I what I meant more about the offense struggling was really just the the ability to bury the chances. I mean, I've. I mean, I've seen, and and I know it lines up with that where they are generating all these shots and all these opportunities and. You know, the metrics indicate they should be probably scoring a lot more goals. And, and it's probably, yeah, one of the best, you know, talent-wise, best offensive forward groups we've had um, in franchise history. I think that's very clear. It's just, you know, you would really love to give Bobrovsky a bit more comfort room and wiggle room with how great he's been playing. And, you know, maybe having a few more two or three goal games instead of a one goal game. Yeah, and, and just yeah, once again to reiterate... The Blue Jackets are eighth in goals for, not expected goals for, but goals scored for per 60. So, again, I, I think they've been really good at that. I think perception really differs from reality in this case. Um, and I actually would say that the defense is is sort of lagging in terms of, and Bob is kind of bailing them out. So that will obviously be a topic that we're going to talk about in a moment as well. But let's talk about the power play. You're more of a systems guy than me. What have you been seeing there? I mean, there's just... It's kind of absurd to this point where they've had... The past couple of games, at least, they've had some really, really good chances and they still went buried. I mean, Price had some good plays, but they keep moving personnel around with Panarin going to the top right um, point. At one point, he was on the half wall. They've, they've moved him out of his one-timer spot not using him on the one-timer anymore, which I completely disagree with. I think it's kind of a rushed response. And there are a lot of people in Chicago that were were always saying how, you know, he can only really perform on the power play from that spot. He struggles on the point. And I don't know. It, it's really kind of questionable. I think that it's been kind of impressive if a guy like, a guy like Milano and Bjorkstrand step up on the power play. Um, Boone has had some really good chances in the power play, but nobody's burying. And the entries for the power play are... are what are so frustrating is because not only are they not scoring when they have possession, but if they don't win a face-off or if they don't, you know, have a decent break-in right away, they just seem almost comedic trying to break through the neutral zone and over to the blue line. It's just honestly, it's kind of ridiculous sometimes with their entries, but it, it's just, yeah, it's something's got to give. At some point, something's got to give, something's got to click, or they'll just start, the Bucks will start going in and they'll 
you know, just get back to normal. But I don't really know from a systems point of view what needs to be changed other than, you know, hopefully some coaching personnel or something like that. So just to put this to for perspective. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, let me actually, I, I need to run this, this number because I think this is going to be great. It's just, I, I could ramble on about it on and on. And I don't mean to ramble right there. I just, oh, it's just so frustrating every time. And, and not only that, but like the momentum always goes to, to the penalty killers. Like anybody who's played like a beer league hockey game knows how good it feels to like kill off a penalty late in the game or something. Just, oh, it's just so frustrating that it keeps happening. So the Blue Jackets power play. So the difference between the 21st worst power play or 21st best power play, you could say. And the 30th best power play is almost the same as the difference from the 30th best power play to the 31st. That's how bad the Blue Jackets power play is. (laughs) That's the math I was just running. So from the 21st to the 30th is, is pretty similar. It's a little bit bigger than the difference from 30 to 31. The Blue Jackets are currently hitting at an 8.8% rate to put that in perspective um, the best in the league, or I should say uh, average in the league, is about 20%. In, I mean, absolutely. I've never seen anything like it. It's it's bizarre, and I agree with you. I think it's looked better lately, and I do think that they're overreacting and, and moving players around. For example, moving Wierenski off the first unit. I don't know what that's about. I think the single biggest thing with this power play, I think the entries struggle from time to time, but I really do believe the single biggest thing is they do not make decisions quickly enough and crisply enough. For example, let's say it used to be Winberg on the half wall. I don't know who's even hanging out there right now. Uh, they had Dubois. The York Trans- Milano and Dubois yeah. have kind of been rotating that way. So, so that guy on the right half wall, let's say he has the puck. He'll take a few skates in, you know, and then what he'll do is he'll pass it up to the point where Seth Jones or Wierenski has it. And instead of Wierenski and Jones immediately throwing it to the next guy in the half wall, they'll take a few skates to try to center it and find an open shot, an open lane. And so all of that is just so much time without decisions being made. Like, I think that the one the one timer is the least efficient shot in hockey especially on five on five. It's a little bit different on five on four, obviously. But I feel like they should just have everything that they do be one-timers just to get their reaction time quicker. They need to do everything faster. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, like, honestly, Wierenski was such a shoot-first guy in the power play last year. And it was so incredible because he'd take all these quick, fast one-timers or slap passes that would always get through traffic and always find their mark. And now... I don't know, it just feels like Jones wants to shoot the puck, but he's going to wait for everybody to line up and fill every shooting lane, and he's just going to hammer a, slam sh- a slap shot in that just inevitably bounces off of somebody. It, it just doesn't make sense why they're not getting back to their roots of shooting quickly and, you know, Wierenski throwing pucks on net, and I don't know. They just have so many... Yeah, I'm not they sure They just if... need to go back to how they were playing last year. They, they don't need to perform no, I, at the same see, rate. That, but... I totally... I could not disagree more with that, because this is... They're doing exactly what they did last year. The difference is it's not working. If yeah, you go and look at the it. stat, if you go and look at the stats from after that torrid start that they had, 
they go from like the yeah, second from, from January half of last year. You're right. You're right. From they, they basically were doing the same thing they're doing now, like an eight point eight percent. Like it's insane, and the, and it's the same thing. The lack of quick decision making. What they just they were so. Uh, they were both puck lucky, and they they caught teams off guard in the way that they're doing power plays last year, and it does not work, and they have not adjusted. And what they need to do is they need to move the puck quicker. They need to move the puck behind the net. The guy behind the net needs to try to swing it to the other side. So instead of just only trying to feed the guy in the slot, the guy who's who's either in front or behind of the net should try sw- like skating behind the net and hitting the other half wall guy. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. There needs to be creativity and movement to force the defense to get out of their comfortable position instead of being able to just hang back in the box and, you know, it's just it's really frustrating. I I really think I don't even I'm not sure what the solution is. I don't think it's firing anyone. I mean, again, the Blue Jackets are off to their best start yeah, ever. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're still winning regardless. You just have to hope that there's some kind of overhaul in you know who's running that power play. I mean, it's not so much getting back to the exact same system that they had last year. I I meant more so with their mentality of shooting the puck first rather than overpassing because I don't think they were I do think they're overpassing now, and I don't think they were last yeah, year. That's, but the one three one, the almost style different. that the system wise, that's not yeah. So I didn't mean they were, you know, that's what was. Yeah, no, I so get what you're saying. But yeah, and and I think I think it's a feedback loop, right? It's like okay, we didn't score this time, and so like we'll pass it even more. You know what I mean? Because it's like we need to find the perfect shot. And how much? How much do you think the power plays missed Wenberg? I mean, I know he looked bad on it previously, uh, and he was taken <laughs> off of it. But do you think that's uh, not at all? Is that an play? answer? <laughs> really? I, I really not even a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. I, but so I thought it might to, be. I was trying it's to hard like, to say that's how crazy I feel watching our power play now. Like the other night, especially when I was there in person, was that like I started thinking maybe they miss Wenberg because I just have no explanation for why they're so bad. Yeah. Just, just well, no Well, Winberg definitely does a few things really well, and yeah, at, at least he can deliver a pass, you know, right on the tape where it's supposed to be. He definitely didn't look good at the beginning of the season, but there is reason to believe that he might have been playing injured, based on the fact that you know he got injured. But yeah, I, I, I think he should probably get another shot there. I mean, it can't get worse. I mean, right? Exactly. It can't get right. worse. It cannot. It literally cannot get worse at all. So the, take so that, might as, you, CBJ fans, put it into your pocket. Take it with you to the game when you watch them go 0-4 in the power play, but they're still winning 2-0 in the game. So uh, just take it take can't it then. Remind, remind, remind yourself of that when you go to freaking boo our own power play on home ice. It's happened twice while I was there. Please don't. We're still winning. Don't be that fan. Oh, man. It, don't be that fan. It, it is... It is on. It is bizarre. That's the only way to put it. It's, it's bizarre. All right, <laughs> we should move on because it's just depressing. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Pierre Luc Dubois. What? The last time we talked, the last time we 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 recorded a podcast, we've spoken many times since then. But the last time we recorded a podcast, he basically he was dominating in shot share and expected goals and all those things, but he really had not scored at all. And he was playing wing and a few things have changed since then. So let's talk about that. What do you think? 
So, yeah, he's kind of, you know, just casually gone from a third and fourth line winger to a uh, yeah first line center um, at the moment. And I think that that's a very good piece of news to shift from the power play and a good transition uh, to cheer everybody up because he's looked outstanding. Um, it's kind of hard to, de- to determine if it's just him having better chemistry that- with Panarin than any other center. I really think that he had better chemistry with Panarin than any other center so far. But I think his chemistry with Anderson is super good as well, which kind of makes that line so so intimidating. And I don't want to see it get taken broken up. I, I think that he can fill that gap if he keeps playing the way that he's playing. It's just, you know, it's hard with the flashes of, like, the flashes of talent here and there. It's hard to get ahead of yourself. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois continues to lead the Columbus Blue Jackets in shot share, and he's second in expected goal share um, behind Josh Anderson. And I think you're absolutely right about his chemistry with Panarin. And something we were talking about in text yesterday was uh, our friend Mark texted us. He said, are Josh Anderson and Pierre-Luc Dubois outplaying Panarin? And we both pretty emphatically said no because – Panarin draws so much attention and so much space and gives these two fantastic skaters, huge human beings, all this space to work with. And yeah, they look great. His chemistry with Anderson is, is, is equally good. I mean, what else have you thought about that, that line? Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to, so got to give Mark credit. I mean, he was just kind of clarifying. I, I think that, he was just it's he was good, just getting the, the blood it's flowing. It's yeah, a really good yeah. it's like a really good take because I mean you have to look at how much of a force Anderson and Dubois have been and, and how they've looked together on their own. They really at there are times where yeah, Panarin's just kind of watching them do all the dirty work and so it feels like he's a little bit more passive. But the moment that Panarin gets the puck on his stick, he's got two guys going after him and pressuring him. He has no space, teams are lock teams are locking down on him. And he's just casually sending it back to Dubois. I do, I do think that in terms of the line, I would like to see Josh Anderson kind of improve in his passing and his playmaking ability. I think he has a lot of potential in that area. He's such a fast skater with a good shot, but he doesn't really you know, make, a, make too many, I guess you could say, you know, playmaker-style passes to set up goals. Um, it's been a lot more, you know, Dubois and Panarin have been passing, and they seem to just be able to find each other from anywhere on the ice. And I, I read it pretty interesting, you know, um, little bit. I mean, I've, I've followed it a little bit in comments, but just, you know, hearing about how Dubois played with, I believe, Sergachev over in juniors. Like, he played with the two top Russian draft picks, essentially, um, in juniors before they both left for the NHL while he was, you know, stuck in juniors underperforming. He said it just feels like they play almost the same way. We're just that pass-pass, firing one-timer mentality that Panarin is showing. So it's cool. I've really been impressed. Yeah, I'm really... The Corsica tool for line stats is just simply not working right now. So I can't I can't provide us with any numbers, but very, very good. I, I remember being very set when they broke up the Atkinson, Winberg, Panarin line beginning in the beginning of the season. I still think that's a line that could work, but it also kind of just points to the fact that whenever Panarin is on the ice, it works, right? And yeah, I completely agree. 
And that's, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois does a lot of things really well. And so one of the things that he doesn't do great right now is shoot the puck. Like, he just doesn't do it very often. And I think that's probably the biggest place where you can see him start to grow is he just needs to start ripping that at the net a little bit more. And part of it is just because of the way that he plays. He, he you know, I, I've I've noticed that his shot totals are not very high, and so I've watched for that in games. He he he's not in a lot of positions to take more shots necessarily because he's so he's often just at the boards, you know, doing stuff down there. But I think that's part of it is he just needs to find a way to start getting that shot off more, and 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 I think the goals are going to start you know flooding in. He he honestly, I mean. The, the you read uh, Tort's comments about what Yarmo said about him, right? About um, what Yarmo said about you know believing in him as like his potential and stuff like that. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Could you want to evaluate, like uh, expand on that a little bit? Yeah, would well, you? I don't know if you would remember better than I did. Um, um, what that. No, I don't remember particularly. It basically, I mean, it basically yeah. was during the summer camp, or training camp this summer. Torts kind of said, "I don't, you know, I don't, I just don't really see it in this kid." Oh, like, right, not yet. right, right. And and Yarmo said, "Just wait, just wait, just wait. Like you'll see it." Yeah. And I mean, yeah. think. I mean, we already said this, but think about this. This guy was playing third line wing, and he looks like a competent. First line, and you know, first line's a little bit of a eh, with the blue jackets because you know everything's kind of nebulous with centers. Yeah, but like a competent NHL center in the period of a few weeks, I mean, this guy's putting up numbers that like I've like like in terms of like the shot share stuff. Yeah, that I've like like you only see from superstars. Okay, I finally got the line numbers. Uh, Panarin, Josh Anderson, Pierre Luc Dubois have played only sixty three minutes so far. And their Corsi four percentage is is sixty three point nine six, which is about two percent higher than that Atkinson Panarin Winberg line. And their expected goals percentage is fifty two point eight one, which is not quite as good as the Atkinson Winberg Panarin, but it's still really really good. Right. So I mean, it, it's a great line, and it, it's a. It's a weird sample size. Obviously, it's only been a few. It's only been eight games, so you can't read too much into the expected goals stuff. But yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it's honestly it's very fun to watch too. Right. Yeah, it's it's been a really fun line to watch. I think that Yarmo kind of show is showing some some kind of some kind of uh, I would say wizardry or witchcraft with picking players <laughs> that well and evaluating players so well. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. But Josh, uh, can you, uh, so do you want to, you know, change your tone a little bit from, or do you want to kind of reflect back on your initial thoughts on Dubois? I will admit I was so mad. I was so mad at the draft party. I was so mad at the draft party. Yeah, no, no, this is, this is, no, no, no. It wasn't just you, I know, but like, let's, let's kind of, let's be real, man. We both, let's stop pretending like we didn't. All of our listeners, anybody who's listened from the beginning of this podcast, or at least to one or two of our episodes near the beginning, know how we feel about that pick. So, yeah, okay, let's but revise it was, ourselves yeah, a little we bit both, here. Let's reevaluate. We both had, we both had extreme concerns, which I believe we expressed, and uh, f- frequently said, "Hey, you know, he's just nineteen. You know, it, it it might not be the end of the world, but it's certainly." I I don't take back anything that I said based on what he was doing in juniors. Yeah. My comments were, 
yeah, it's not looking like his the odds of him becoming a top line player are low. Yeah, it's not looking great, but we we never I mean did we never really called him a full on bust or anything, obviously, because he did I don't think, we, I don't think we called yet, him a bust but, on this podcast, but, but I jokingly te- refer yeah, to him as a bust. Jokingly frequently. in text, Josh would just say everything was a bust, like after preseason, like bad shift or something. He's just like bust, like, bust, bust. But um no, like I, I think he's been really impressive. I think he his compete level as well. I mean, it, talk about intangibles, quote unquote. But he's just bringing a lot, you know, in terms of mentality as well. He just adds to that culture of wanting to win, and he's playing like, you know, just a kid out there with growing confidence each night. Like he's just manhandling people in corners and realizing how strong he is. He really, really, really reminds me of Mark Shifley. I don't know if you see that comparison too. But just, you know, they're basically the same height and weight. And Dubois is probably going to add on even more weight over time. Um, maybe not too much more because he's already a, a monster. But just that's still that same big um, playmaking style with, uh, you know, Shifley's got a, a bit more of a scoring touch right now. But hopefully Dubois can develop that. He's definitely shown he has good hands. I mean, he's made some yeah. great offensive plays. He just needs to get better quality shots. And, and he'd really bury more. Yeah, it, honestly, I think it's just about quantity for him. He's like getting yeah. off like one a game, and if he, if he took that to like three or two and a half, they start they start going in. Um, actually, let me look that up real quick. Yeah, like just yeah. It's been it's been great, man. It's been really vamp vamp for me. Just give just giving Josh a hard time here about uh, his Dubois comments um we've all made them we've all been disappointed <laughs> we've all been there guys yeah. we've all been there if you haven't thought it at one point then you're lying that's all i gotta yeah. say yeah i mean it's it's just surprising it's surprising and you can kind of see just the pure you know strength and ability he has i think his his vision and his hockey iq is incredible and super underrated right now with the kind all right of so i have to- Go ahead. I need to eat a little bit of crow because early last time we recorded a month ago, he was shooting about once per game. And since then, he's raised that to 1.56. And in the last five games, he shot uh, one. He shot one against Carolina, three against Montreal, none against Ottawa, five against Calgary, five against Buffalo. So he's definitely starting to. What did he shoot the other that. night? Against Carolina? Yeah. He shot once. Just once? Okay. Gotcha. On net, yeah. This is on net. This is oh, all okay, on net. Okay, okay. Um, but, in, yeah, I mean, like, he, he scored uh, against Buffalo, and he scored against Montreal, and he had three shots and five shots in those games. So he's starting to up it, yeah. and that part of that has to do with, obviously, time on ice and who he's playing with and with Panarin. So, yeah, I think he's got the talent. Um, his face-off percentage, which we all know matters. Oh, man, here we go. More than anything. Face-off percentage, everybody. Thirty-seven point eight, so pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, pretty bad. Nah, that doesn't matter. His shooting percentage is ten point three, which is like solid. You know, that's not too inflated. That could definitely maintain. So, just needs to shoot the puck a little bit more. That's all. Yeah, I agree, man. All right, let's let's talk about um, one Sergey Bobrovsky, who, un like undoubtedly is has been the MVP of the team so far might even be 
the MVP of the league. This guy is just – he's absolutely insane. Yeah. What have you been seeing from this year? I mean, I think he's got a very, very strong chance of being the first back-to-back Vesna goaltending – Vesna winning goaltender since Marty Brodeur. I mean, quite honestly, would not surprise me at all. Um, in The Athletic, I believe just the other day, Pierre Lebrun released an interview of him doing a one-on-one with the Bobrovsky – I guess probably when Bobrovsky was in Montreal. And, uh, yeah, because it was on the 27th, so or so that was Wednesday. But, yeah, I mean, I think that Bobrovsky has shown so much talent. And he, he had some really interesting comments where, I mean, LeBron brought up how Bobrovsky has really struggled in the playoffs and how it's been a really disappointing part of his career so far. And, you know, Bob just very directly said, you know, I... I have to just play my game and not put too much pressure on myself as the next playoffs begin and just kind of play my game and enjoy the atmosphere and, you know, try not to stress out about it as much. Because you could tell that Bob was trying to do something extra. But, I mean, he's clearly really happy here in Columbus. He he talked about that a lot as well. And he wants to be one of the best goaltenders in NHL history. And you can just kind of tell with his attitude that he's, you know, trying to achieve that. The numbers are great. He's just been unreal. He had, you know, a, yeah. a down game against Montreal, but before that, it was just like he, he didn't even have to. I don't know. He, he just was making every save so calmly. It was great. So there's a stat that is... So with expected goals, you can do the flip side, like ex- expected save percentage, if that makes sense. And it's certainly not perfect because it doesn't take into account, like, every situation like it doesn't take into account like a breakaway or something you know what i mean it will count that shot as obviously a super high danger shot but it doesn't it's not perfect but if you take save percentage and then you subtract that by expected save percentage you can kind of see like how much above average that goalie is performing Bobrovsky is fourth in the league by that measure if you just and this is all five on five if you uh, just look at just pure five-on-five five save percentage, he's sixth in the league. If you look at a, at high danger save percentage, he's sixth in the league. And if you look at uh, goals saved above average, he is first in the league by just a massive, un- like unprecedented margin. Like yeah. this guy is he he's probably going to get if he keeps this up he's going to get another heart nomination yeah this is what, completely agree it's, it's, just, it's unreal and it's he makes nuts. it look easy the whole time wait let's we have to before before we end this podcast we have to talk about those two saves yeah the one against the, that went viral oh my, all around the country you know oh my goodness the two on o i i lost it dude i flipped out i i straight up just like jumped up and started yelling like just it was absolutely unreal um that's are you talking about the the red wings one yeah oh my gosh it was absolutely I'm, I'm watching unreal. it right now i'm sorry <laughs> okay so the red wings yeah, one just i just needed to watch it to yeah. remind myself and the two that one oh was oh my gosh just yes. he has to like not only is he getting back and doing a full stretch he like is like he knows he has to pick his skate up off the ground just a little bit to try to get it elevated just a little bit and he just straight up lifts his skate and kicks it out of the air you know he's not just leaving it there and then it hits off his skate he picks up his his freaking leg 
It's so crazy. And what? then the, the Montreal one was even more impressive because yes. he mentioned yes. afterwards that he like real like you know he realized he had to move faster, so he dropped his stick. He thought about <laughs> like he, he presently <laughs> thought about dropping his stick to reduce the weight. It's just nuts. It's like absolutely <laughs> insane the level of goaltending he's on right now. I would not call myself like an NHL like I don't, I, you know, I'm not some historian of the game. That is the most unbelievable save I have ever seen. Period. It was, it was it incredible, is, dude. It's it the so most incredible. He dropped his stick. And he like, yeah, he, he evens out his blocker flatly and makes it big there. Oh, it's just so it's, ridiculous. It's insane. I just, man, he, I mean... If he finishes out the season, even you know, close to what he's doing right now, I think it's it's a done deal. He's the best blue jacket in history. Like if he's not already there, it's just he is truly special. You know, I think um, common man. I don't live in Columbus, but so someone had to say this to me. They recounted this to me. They said common man put it pretty well recently. <laughs> uh, he said we need to put this into perspective. The blue jackets aren't, don't just have. Uh, one of the best goalies in the league, if not the best goalie in the league. The Blue Jackets right now, and us as Blue Jackets fans need to understand this, we might be experiencing the best goalie that the Columbus franchise will ever have. Oh, Period. yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I don't I don't think there's any chance, you know, anybody lives up to the kind of level of play he's had. I mean, maybe the best yeah. chance for, you know, getting back to that kind of level of play is going to be, um, you know, the, the Russian prospect goalie. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, the guy who we just drafted? Yeah, the guy we just dra- drafted. Oh, uh, he's in the NHL? He's, uh, no, he's like, he's still playing over in Russia right now. And he's only he's the only kind of goalie that in our system shows as much potential as kind of Bob has shown. It's just absolutely incredible. But Samsonov, so Ilya Samsonov, either him or, um, you know, Elvis maybe. But I don't see any way that, you know, a guy like Corpusalo plays at the level Bob does or really anybody else in the franchise plays at the level no, Bob and, has played. And and so we should definitely appreciate Bob for who he is. But we also need to remember that having a, a goalie quite as good as Bob is not necessary to win championships. Yeah, um, that's true. Jonas Corpusalo being... You know, a nine eighteen or nine twenty goalie, you can win a Stanley Cup that way. Um, but that being said, if Bob could play like he does in the regular season in the playoffs, we have more than a puncher's chance to win the whole thing this year. And that, and I could, like that even saying year, that, right, puts a smile on it. We said that it's last the same year. thing. Yeah, it's the same situation. But here's the thing: this this team this team is so other than the power play. This team is better by leaps and bounds than last year's team. Yeah. That's why I don't think that Bob has, I mean, I, dude, they can say all they want during the regular season, but if we get to the playoffs and Bob's struggling again, I think just Torch just goes Corpusalo. I don't think they even hesitate this time with how good this team is. They could pick Corpusalo up and, and go through that playoffs without Bob if they really needed to. That's how good the roster is. You want to see Bob succeed yeah. and like, I want Bob to play like regular season Bob. But with how confident I am in the rest of the lineup, I would take him out, you know, after game two if he really looks like he struggles through two games. Wouldn't even hesitate. Yeah, and I Anything think I'm with you. Anything not to go down 0-3 again. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's as good as time as any to wrap it up, unless you have anything else to say, Luke. Yeah, and I'm not uh, trying to be a Debbie Downer there talking about Bob's playoff struggles because we're not going to go down 0-3 again. We're going to win the freaking Stanley Cup this year. And <laughs> my mindset has been every single game, I've been watching the game, and I feel like in the past, and I'm going to like end with this as my kind of closing thought, and I actually kind of want to hear what you think about it too real quick, but... Every game in the past, I feel like I've watched games with a lot more focus on individual players and expectations for individual players. And with getting so used to winning as this team, I, I don't care anymore about that kind of play. I want to watch for it and see it, but I want the Jackets to win no matter what. I don't care who's scoring. I don't care you know, who's coming out um, or who's playing and who's in net. I just, I just want to win, and I want to see us make a playoff run. And I think that should be the mindset, just win. <laughs> that's Just funny win, because no anytime when when Corsica was down, it was the clip of uh, the Oakland Raiders guy just saying, "Just win, baby." Anyways, it's true. Yeah, I. It's true. Just win. Different about the way that I watch the games this year. Um, I haven't really been able to point a finger on it, but it, it it definitely is less of a. A lot of times in the past, I used to kind of like focus in on one guy, and, and there is a few guys that I still focus in on. I really focus in on. PLD when he's on the ice. I really focus in on Marcus Nunavaro when he's on the ice. As interesting as that sounds, I just I'm I'm really interested at what those two those two guys in particular um, are probably the two that I really narrow in because I think Nunavaro does um, certain oh, things sure. with his stress yeah. passing. He's been great with it's it. Just really interesting how he bends bends the opposing defense with his breakout. But anyways. Hopefully, in future episodes, we'll be able to talk about more less of these kind of marquee subjects and get into the nitty gritty with with guys like Marcus Nunavara. Or we'll, we'll definitely have to talk about Winberg's return next time. But I think that's good for today. I just wanted to say one last thing to be super petty. As of November thirtieth, the Columbus Blue Jackets um, again fifth in the league in points. Only one person out of Luke, Josh, and Mark predicted the CBJ to win the division. So Congrats, I'm going to be super petty. <laughs> well, let's oh, see. Uh, I hope you're right, man. I really do. I'll, I'm I'll the only eat any crow I have to eat, man. I don't care. I'll eat <laughs> I know. whatever the punishment is. I, I don't care, man. I'll no take that banner no any punishment. day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you to Heart Attack Man, Eric Egan, and the Heart Attack Man for the music. You can find them on Bandcamp or Spotify. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at BLRPod or email us at blrpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for listening and go Jackets.